Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hyrith and Other Words podcast. I am your host, Timothy Mangle, and this episode, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, is the season two finale. Um, yeah, it's been one heck of a season. Um, got to have really great conversations, did one of our only series that we have, the the image we bear, you have to talk about a lot of fun topics and have new guests and returning guests. So yeah, it's just it's just been a great season. I don't know what else to say. We got to join a podcast network during this time, the IWEP uh, network, which they've just been so good to us. Shout out to Anthony over there who's running that thing and everyone else involved. They've just been phenomenal. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, the end of the season. So, what does that mean? Um, I'm going to be taking some time off, is what that means to some degree. Um, now, I'm not 100% sure how long I'm going to be taking off. It's probably going to be somewhere between a month or four months. Um, I'm a big believer in, how do you say this? Ben- like actual beneficial rest um, and doing things and doing rest as intentionally and um, with the same energy or with the same purpose uh, or intentionality, I think I might have already said that word, that you would with anything else in your life. I think a lot of people kind of approach approach resting as this thing that you kind of do when you have time or it's at the end of your week or, or what have you. But for me, I, you know... You know, you have to have your work and your play balanced. Um, I think with a, not doing enough work will ultimately lead to some sort of dissatisfaction in your life. But also no play or no rest is ultimately also going to leave in a lot of dissatisfaction in your life and anger and, and all of those nasty, nasty things. So, um, I, yeah, I, I just want to take a couple of maybe a month, maybe two um, yeah, I'm just going to kind of see where the spirit leads me and see where the wind takes me and how long I feel like before I can jump back into this. I will just say right off the bat that I will be coming back. This isn't just going to disappear into the ether, but I, I really love doing this podcast and yeah, um, you know, it is, it is nice to be able to have some time off and all that stuff. But as I was preparing this episode, I was just like, um, yeah, I love doing this and I love having, you know, doing this and having the conversations that I get to have and and all of that fun stuff. So, um, yeah, I guess I should also say thank you so much for hanging on and and coming with me through this whole, um, endeavor through this whole season two. Um, yeah, because again, I, I say this every time I talk about this kind of stuff, but I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for people that I knew were listening. Um, so I appreciate you know, whether you're watching or listening, whatever it is, I'm just, I'm glad that, um, yeah, you're at the receiving end of this. So yeah, um, if you have any questions or want to know more about that or, you know, whatever, just shoot me a message. Um, I said this in the bonus episode for the Patreon supporters, but if you are a Patreon supporter, that'll be paused for the, um, until whenever I come back. So you don't have to worry about, um, yeah, paying for something and not getting any of your bonus content in the interim time. But uh, 
yeah, now would be a great time to sign up because there's a lot of back catalog stuff that you probably wouldn't be able to hear in the bonus podcasts and, and all that stuff. So if you want new content, that's a way to do it is to sign up through the Patreon or, um, I mean, this is episode 41 or 42, something like that. So you can always just go back through the back catalog and, and yeah, check out episodes that you haven't uh, done. And also, there's a good chance that I might just get bored in the middle of this and just do a random episode or just throw up a random old uh, Patreon episode. Who knows? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in just following, following your intuition and following the spirit and following what you believe your gut is telling you. And yeah, um, obviously, I also believe in like being like, I'm going to come back at this time. But for now, it just felt like I was supposed to go into this open ended other than saying, I will be back. Okay, I feel like I've just been circling this drain for like the past, you know, five minutes or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, just thank you again before we go on to this. Um, okay, so let's dive into the episode. The name of this episode I really enjoy. Um, and for those of you who just clicked on it without reading it, I, I appreciate your... Uh, how do you say your passion to to get into the episode but uh the episode is called um water for the well or or it's water for the well um wine for the cup one more time water for the well wine for the cup now the first thing i want to address in the name of this um is i feel like if that name is going to get any sort of criticism it will be well wine's wine doesn't go in glasses it goes in cups and for some reason whenever i'm just doing this over and over this name in my head it always comes back as cup not glass and i'm just we're going to be diving into the story of jesus and the water to wine story which everyone's familiar with um yeah and they wouldn't have glasses <laughs> they would have had you know clay cups or whatever that you know, they would have had something akin to that. So that's kind of what I'm thinking along as well. I'm, I'm going to get into what all that means in a little bit. But um, yeah, I just felt like I had to justify my name choice for the uh, for the episode for some reason. But yeah, I really love this, this, this phrase or this, this ideas that I've clumped together there, the water for the well or wine for the cup. So, where do we want to begin? I think that one of the biggest problems facing Western society, or at least in America, if I can be so bold as to make one of a proclamation like that, is man's and women's, you know, individuals' um, lack of apparent meaning. Um... I think a lot of people in America and Western civilization have things that are meaningful in their lives and they do meaningful things, but I think a lot of people, probably more than not, find themselves asking this sort of question, well, you know, I'm doing meaningful things and things that feel meaningful in, in the, you know, in the midst of kind of this grand scheme of my life. And you know, that's fine and that's nice, but does my overarching life have any sort of meaning to it? And that's a, you know, obviously that's the that's the 
biggest philosophical question you can ask or the greatest existential question that you can stumble upon is, does my life have any meaning? And it would taste a lie for me to be able to say that this is anything other than my own personal opinion, my own personal, um, how do you say, my subjective experience of this reality and, you know, through hours of contemplating and and trying to understand really heady philo- philosophers and all this stuff, um, yeah, I, 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 I really like what I see a lot of these people saying back to me that it's that it is meaningful, you know. And I, the problem with it is that you can't, you don't know life is meaningful until you're saturated in that in that moment or whatever and I think you know for a lot of people and this is kind of where those you know smaller meaningful things that you do during your life you know it's you know I go and I do this for somebody or I do this and that gives me a sense of of meaning but I again I ultimately think that a lot of people in our society are are ultimately stuck with this conundrum of does does what I'm doing here have any value or merit or whatever? Um, and, you know, I again, it's just that's such a big question. And I just want to emphasize in saying that this is my opinion. This is how I've come to it. And this is how I've made my peace with that question. Um, but I want to talk about it through the lens of the miracle of the water to wine. Now, I think a lot of people, when they read that story, they think about it, you know, um, well, actually, you know what, before we get into what I think people think that they think the story is, let's just read the story and see whatever it is there. So before we go into that, though, um, I just want to say, so this is from John chapter 2. So... Um, John is the last gospel out of the four gospels in the New Testament. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one of the gospels has its own sort of aim and as any author does, right? So, you know, because the people that were writing the Bible, they didn't just sit down to write out tales that they remember about Jesus in some random order and then ultimately ending with his crucifixion and resurrection, except minus one account doesn't have a resurrection. It just has a death and an empty grave. There's no actual calling forth of a, of a physical being. Anywho, um, John, in writing his Gospels, I think he was... And this, again, is just such my personal opinion, but I'm such a fan of the Gospel of John. I, I love the Gospel of John. If if I had a picking order to put in my from favorite to least favorite Gospel, it would probably go uh, John, Luke, Matthew, Mark. Um, yeah, and for no, none of those are better than the other. Well, again, I, I do kind of have an affinity towards um, John, just because it's so... Okay, so here's what's important to understand about the Gospel of John, is that the Gospel of John was meant to be taken both literally, but literally being the most kind of baseline interpretation of those things. These are all stories that, you know, 
I believe are true to varying degrees and depending on your word of true, depending on your definition of the word true, I believe these stories to be true. And I don't just believe them to be true on the actual literal interpretation of them, but I believe that these stories are, whether that be subconsciously or consciously, these are men trying, mankind trying to figure out its deepest questions that it's asking itself and then projecting them out in parables or stories and integrating those things perfectly into these um, these myths that we have. Okay, so I feel like I got to kind of just... Yeah, okay, so I, I'm going to get too far off track if I go that way. So let's just go right into the Gospel of John, Chapter 2. The Wedding at Cana is what this is called. So, or Cana, C-A-N-A-N, or I spelled that C-A-N-A, Cana, whatever. Yeah, Cana, the Miracle of Cana, um, or the Wedding of Cana, as it says in the Bible, but it's referred to in church history as the Miracle of Cana. Okay. Cana is just a place. <laughs> so Cana is the place where this wedding takes at, or takes place rather. So let's read this story. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother says to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jugs there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some of, some of it out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor, then they pour the, the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, I have been pontificating or contemplating about this story for some time now. Um, mostly because I think it's so fascinating that when Jesus' mother comes up to him and they're <laughs> clearly implying hey, do the thing that you have, you know, that he will do. And he's, he's confused and essentially says no. He's like, what, like, so, and again, now put yourself in Jesus's shoes. You're just invited to this random wedding along with you and the people who are around you. And I mean, Jesus's mother was invited as well. So it would, it would have seemed through both contextual evidence and just through historical understanding of the time that there, these people, the people would have, who would have been having this wedding was most likely just having this big kind of banquet that was just broad and, and was just inclusive of everyone. It was a time of celebration for the community. Whereas, you know, when we think about weddings now, 
we think of, you know, I'm going to invite my aunt, my uncle, you know, Tommy, his girlfriend, whatever it is. We kind of things like that. Whereas I think in a lot of more Eastern or more, you know, um, community or group focused cultures that these events of like magnitude are just open to whoever. Prime example of that can be found in this text because it's not only Jesus's mother that's invited to the text, it is Jesus as well as his disciples. So you have like this big kind of cluster of people all going to the same event and it's, it can't, you know, there's 13, 14 people mentioned there and there's no way that all of those people, you know, the 12 disciples not even really knowing each other would have known this one thing. So contextually there, we can kind of put it together. This was just kind of a large gathering. Now, why didn't I spend all that time kind of talking about that? (sighs) We're going to be reading this story not on the literal level of this manifestation from water to wine. I think you can get any preacher off the street and they'll kind of give you a sermon about how God transforms water into wine and they'll kind of go about how God transforms you in your everyday life and he brings the things that you bring to the table and he transforms them. And that is very much what the story is about. But there's there's deeper characters being involved here and there's different there's different things that are being implied that, that we're I'm gonna try to get to. And maybe I'll miss them or maybe I won't. Who knows? I hope you get something great out of this. Anywho. So a lot of these figures that are in this story, I'm going to be reassigning to kind of other figures in just kind of the larger scope of your life and my life. So we have the banquet itself. And when you think of the banquet, just think of it as the kind of like life, kind of as the field in which all of your chances and all of your opportunities get to play out. Um So it's really just, you know, the banquet is just the stage in which the drama is being played out upon. And that's really what life or our reality and our time and space really is. It's just a stage in which we get to play out the drama of our (laughs) incarnate. I'm going to start from the beginning. Our reality really is just a stage in which we get to play out the roles of our incarnation upon. So... Think about that in this banquet hall. So you have the banquet hall kind of representing life and the field of life to kind of happen within it. And Mary here is representative of the, let's say, more chaotic or feminine side of God that is, you know, so we have it in in Eastern philosophy, we have it in Christianity as well, that the the aspect of God that is very molding and shaping and kind of form-flowing, we talked about this on the episode, uh, the image we bear, the spirit, kind of this idea of the spirit being a more feminine thing, of it being it something that shapes and that molds, and part of that is the destruction aspect of creation, but also the restoration aspect of creation. So, you can see that that's the role that Mary is playing here because when there is a problem in the field of the banquet hall where there is no more wine, the spirit represented Mary there, or again, it's just the, the, the nature, how do you say this, the, 
the natural characteristic of God to be a problem solver, to see that there is a there is a lack and that there needs to be a fulfillment thereof. So, um, Mary comes along to Jesus, and Jesus, and this is a this is how Carl Jung really understood Jesus. But Jesus represents in its in his simplest and purest form he represents the truest version of the individual because he's a god figure he's he's somebody that we're supposed to be projecting ourselves onto and trying to imitate um so you know narratively he represents both god and man but when we are reading the story we are ultimately placing our uh, the 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 finite aspects of ourselves or the lower versions of ourselves or the the limited version of ourselves we are relating it back to jesus in in as jesus is in a lower and limited form while ultimately being the the truest and most evident manifestation of god i shouldn't say truest or most evident or whatever i just said but he is a manifestation of god and we seeing that god come down into man and us being man, we see that in mankind, we project that onto him and try to imitate that thing so we can hold fully the divine aspects of ourselves as well as the human aspects of ourselves. So that's why Jesus represents the self. It represents He represents you, he represents me narratively. When we read these things, that's kind of how we relate back to it. So everything that I just said, let's kind of just reread the story back to that point. So you're in the field of existence and there comes a problem within the field and you are confronted with the issue. And the interesting thing here is that, you know, it's, it's, it's said in Jesus's response. He's like, what does this have to do with me? I don't understand how I personally have gotten dragged into this larger thing, you know, he says it's before my time. I, sh- you know, I shouldn't be doing this. And again, I'm putting words in Jesus's mouth, but it's he's very much. I don't want to say reluctant, but he seems to be like hesitant or being like this isn't my time. But Mary seems to steamroll right over that. So, before we get too far, why is Jesus kind of saying this? This isn't my time. <sighs> And the question and the answer to that really is because I think when we look out at our lives, that's how we feel a lot of the time, especially growing up and especially, you know, coming into an age where you're no longer, you know, your parents aren't taking care of you anymore and you now have to be an adult. Kind of that transition there is, you know, is kind of what we're seeing here with Jesus. Because again, he's talking about being before his time. You see this maternal aspect of being pushed kind of out of comfort zone, um, which is traditionally given to the father aspect in kind of modern times, but Jesus didn't have an earthly father. Um, So Mary was kind of fulfilling this role. And again, because ultimately the kind of um, destruction, creative side of God is usually representative as feminine. Okay, I feel like I need to start over because I feel like I lost myself. You have in the plane of existence, you have a problem. The problem presents itself to you, and then you have this response of, well, what does this have to do with me? I don't I don't remember signing up for this curriculum where I have to do this thing. And 
that is ultimately the predicament that a lot of human beings find themselves in. And this is kind of where we get stuck in what we were kind of talking about at the beginning with, you know, meaning and all of those things. And truth be told, I think, you know, it's similar to how Jesus lives his life here. You can do whatever you want, but the responsibility of the world aren't, they're not going to not fall upon you, right? So again, Jesus is just being in this banquet. He was invited by someone else. He came, and now he has a, a problem to solve. And again, I that seems relatable to the subjective human experience because we're invited into this life. We're invited into this reality, into this incarnation, and we get to enjoy it. We get to participate in the you know the wedding and and all of this you know this beautiful banquet, but Lo and behold, eventually there will come a time when you're needed, when you're called upon. And, you know, this kind of brings me into where we got the name of this episode for. Um, And ironically enough, it doesn't really have anything to do with the fact that this is about wine. But when, when we're talking about meaning or when we're talking about you know, life having meaning. I think that there are really two sorts of meaning that life kind of presents you when it when it's talking about your life and the things that happen within your life. You have either wealth or water for the well, or you have wine for the glass. And both of the liquids in those metaphors represent meaning, and the well and the glass represent you as a as the as the means by which meaning comes into existence or by the thing that which the meaning is fulfilled so you find yourself like jesus you're in the middle of this situation this this thing that you were invited to kind of unknowingly and and just kind of as a large general gesture to everyone and you find yourself confronted with issues in reality and you know, for Jesus, it was the lack of the wine. And for us, you know, who knows what it could be? It could be your own personal, you know, family issues. It could be uh, marital problems, which again is a family issue. It could be a job issue. It could be, you know, it could have nothing to do with your your subjective life. It could be children starving in Haiti. It could be, you know, natural disasters, whatever it be. Those are the the wine running out right so it's the party ending something else is happening and then the that spirit finds the individual and says hey what are you going to be doing about the problem and we can be complacent we can kind of just be like listen it's it's not my responsibility i have you know i was invited to this i'm a guest i'm just going to get go through this as much as i can without having to invest it back into this thing and you can do that, and you can live your life like that. But I think what we see here in Jesus is even at this time of being like, listen, it's before my time, I'm at somebody else's wedding, somebody else is asking me to do this, he still steps up. And I think that that is really how, you know, like I said earlier, if you want to discover if whether or not there's meaning in this life, then you need to embodied the things that the people who've told you that life is inherently meaningful you just need to yada 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 and again jesus is such a great example of this because his 
example of a life well lived or enlightenment or whatever the fuck you want to call it wasn't just this go off and focus on yourself and just contemplate and you know mow your own lawn and and figure your own shit out it is very much so a no you have to pour yourself back into the world and i love that man because it is it's giving the individual the chance to shine as bright as they possibly can and the beauty of this nature of this reality and this world and this thing that we're stuck inside of is that whatever your lack is that the universe is going to make that up whether that just be through some other cosmic thing or something in your life is going to to change now is there water for the well is there wine for the cup okay i didn't really get into this but there's two ways to kind of break down the meaning of of your life and again water for well wine for cup (sighs) when you're looking for a well you know so a well just you don't just dig down with a well and then all of a sudden there's water you have to spend all this time trying to seek out where the water is and making sure that you know you go into and that it has a you know it has an underground source to it that you're not just going to dry it up looking for a well is task taking and then you have to dig out everything in between you know the surface and the well and then you have to earn uh, the surface and the the pocket of water in the ground and you have to you know you, you have to dig all that out you have to lay all the bricks you have to build it you have to install a pulley system to get it you know all the water out of it and that's building meaning that's building the thing you know it's whatever your it is that you're building towards it already exists out there and you're just doing the part of you know of the hard part of of going and putting your hand to the plow and and doing the things and again being in the reality where we have to be incarnated and participate it with flesh and blood with the reality that we're we're living in the other side of that being the wine for the cup is that sometimes you're that meaning is just poured out over you that there's times when you're just living just just doing whatever is coming natural to you and as you're doing that it just you're how would you say that you're just organically unfolding out your your karma in front of you you're organically fall uh, the path is organically going out ahead of you whereas i also think that there's other times water for the well situation where you have to go and forge that own path and these are really the two conundrums that we're you know we're faced with here is that this you kind of have to you have to accept reality as as it comes to you but you also have to be willing to step back into it because if you're not willing to take that step back into reality then those things that come to that came to Jesus and Mary that'll come to us in different forms they'll continue to come at you they'll continue to say hey there's this problem hey there's this problem hey there's this problem because there's never going to be a shortage of problems there's only ever going to be a shortage of people willing to deal with the problems and the more people that we have willing to deal with the problems the less problems that we'll have to deal with making the load easier for everyone now back to jesus representing us at this party jesus is brought to there's what's brought before him 
then. So, okay, so, so Jesus finds himself at this really precarious situation where there's no point in this story that he goes, Atada, and then it's wine, right? There's, there's so many processes in which that could have happened. You know, it could have been when they pour the water in. It could have been when, you know, whatever. It could have been when the guy was walking it to it. It could have just changed upon, uh, uh, I'm going way too fast. The water could have been changed at any point. It could have been changed when it was poured into the bucket. It could have been changed in the bucket. It could have been poured when the, you know, the chalice was put in or the fucking cup, whatever it was, and was taken to the, the king to drink. At any point in time, that water could change. And it's not clear as to when it does. Again, there's no aha, Jesus's abracadabra moment. There's, there's nothing like that. And I think that that is so true to us and our lives and how we relate meaning back to ourselves and, and all these things is that meaning doesn't always just jump out at you and being like, this is it, this is whatever. But it's you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. You're acting properly and that's what Jesus is doing here is, you know, Jesus or Mary rather again playing this role of, you know, God who is going to hand you things to deal with, right? So Mary, uh, Jesus gets dealt this thing by Mary and then he responds by, you know, doing what he was supposed to do. He tells people what to do and then they do what they're supposed to do. And so there's this there's a silent call here to just do what is right and in that process the universe will marinate the you know the the glory or the perfection or whatever you want to call it in and out of that it'll it'll kind of raise it up out of that and what i really want everyone i think to take away from jesus in this story here really is how he responds to everything that's happening around him again it's it's there's this first relatable step of a denial and a pushing away of and not really wanting these things but you know jesus is one of his favorite lines is um one of my favorite lines of jesus's and you know one of the best ones is not my will but your will be done and i that's the continual mantra of Jesus just throughout how he lives his life. And that's evident there that, you know, Jesus, he claimed that it was before his time. And, and you know, who knows what that means? And we can get into that another day. But he sees that there's nothing that he can do to change that. You know, not my will, but your will be done. So he submits and he just does what is proper before him. And in the process of doing that, you know, there's a manifestation and a transformation that is, you know, glorious to please a king and, and the person overseeing this whole event. And the king here, or the, the you know, the, the how, how would they call him, the master of the, the feast, as they call him, um, he represents the kind of the king aspect of God or the, the ruling aspect of God or the, you know, for as crude as this sounds, the male aspect of God, this kind of domineering, like very um, organized and kind of, you know, if the spirit is kind of this swaying thing that puts things in, in motion, then there is an aspect of God that is the opposite of that, that is the, you know, sturdy, you know, foot in the grounds, whatever. And those are the things that, you know, you ultimately have to get, if, 
if things are going to be good, you want the person who's the most stubborn and, and all those things to be the one that is pleased in it, right? Because that means that shows how great it is. Now, that's what we see here. And again, no one, no one, and it says this in the story. Let's let's just dive back into this because I think this is very interesting. Um, it says here in verse 9, When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. There's, again, there's that this sign of no one's, you know, Jesus isn't standing up and being like, yay me, I did it. Like it was even before my time, I did it. He just continued to do what was right. And in his act of, of goodness and, and of purity, the whole wedding feast and was changed because of that and again taking us back into you know putting us into this and if you plop yourself in the middle of this feast and this event and this whatever this thing is called life and you just continue to live properly you'll see the meaning manifesting itself there that it just kind of happens all around you and and for me i think that's a the proper way of seeing both the water for the well and the wine for the cup is to just do what is right in front of you in the here and now. And you'll see this corresponding overlap of, yeah, intentional purpose and purpose that is being, you know, built into this reality. So, my friends, this next couple of months as I'm off doing whatever I'm doing and getting ready for season three, I hope that you continually just to to do what is right when it's right in front of you to yeah and and again i think that i want you to do that not just because i think it'll feel good or because whatever but because i do believe that for the individual that the the times that we are most aware of our meaning and our purpose is when we're serving other people and yeah i don't think that there is a better act of service or act of worship or anything more meaning than being here and being able to take care of other people so friends in just a small absence i'm going to try to do this too let's try to take care of people let's take care of ourselves let's take breaks where we need to let's celebrate those breaks let's you know let's work as hard as we play and play as hard as we work yeah and in the middle of doing all that reaching out our hands when we can you know when we see that there's no more wine that we would be the person that offsets the process of water being transformed all right friends i don't think i can say it better than that but yeah know that the the water for your well or the wine for your cup will be found in doing services for other people and yeah uh, yeah okay i'll just keep going friends thank you so much for listening to this thank you for checking out season two i hope you enjoyed it i hope you've learned so much i hope that this has just been something that is just continually given back to you um yeah i just hope you have a great time I, i'm all stoked now maybe i won't even take some time off like i just want to i literally just want to keep going so you don't have to worry about me not coming back but uh yeah friends Thank you so much for giving me the chance to do what I do, to get to ramble on about this sort of stuff and to have an audience that listens to that. I I really appreciate that. And yeah, if you ever want to talk, if you ever have any questions, feel free to shoot me a message or an email or whatever it is. Um, yeah. 
All right, friends, that's all you got for me this week. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your time, and I will see you sooner rather than later, hopefully. God bless, and I ask that you would love yourself and that you would love your neighbor as well. See you, friends.